Hey guys, welcome back to TCU's Three Wise Men, where you can hear your three favorite geniuses give their not-so-genius takes on TCU and other interesting topics. Uh, Connor and Barrett are going to join me later in the show, but right now I'm here with a special guest. He is the 29th All-American in TCU tennis history and as a two-time doubles All-American. He's a three-time All-Big 12 first-team player two-time NCAA individual championship qualifier, and he's the 2022 Battle in the Bay Classic singles champion. And these are just his TCU accolades. I'm here with Jake Fernley today. Thanks for coming on, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's good to see you again. I know you had a, a long weekend um, playing Stanford and Tennessee, uh, so thanks for making the time for us today. Of course. So, Jake, you're from Edinburgh. Are you a big Harry Potter fan? Because I know most of the uh, or a lot of the movies were shot at least in some part in Edinburgh. Yeah, I mean, I'm not actually a huge Harry Potter fan. Um, I like I support it, and my family are huge Harry Potter fans. But I've just never really sat down and watched all the movies. Like I've watched bits and pieces of them, um, but obviously, like a school, like a rival school to mine growing up, is actually like the the school that Hogwarts was based on. So oh, shoot. I, like, so I know, like I've been there, so I kind of know like the history about Harry Potter and kind of the, um, like I know a lot about it. Uh, and obviously JK Rowling's from Scotland and lives in Scotland. So that aspect I'm, I know, but I'm not a huge fan of Harry Potter itself. Man, you need to sit down and watch the movies. I know. They're incredible. Uh, I just need to find the time to binge watch it and I'll just watch them all in a row. And then I'm sure, I'm sure I'll be a bigger fan. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. it, so we've asked Louie this question because he's from the UK as well. Uh, so figured we might as well ask you how many fish and chips do you think you've eaten in your entire life? And, or if, if not fish and chips, is there another meal that you've just gorged on? Louie said he, he hadn't had a hundred and hundred servings of fish and chips. Do you think you've passed a hundred? A hundred percent. I've passed a hundred. I think uh, I live in Edinburgh, so that's kind of on the coast. So we're kind of we're we're known for our, our fish and chips, at least in the UK. I think, um, and yeah, I'm a huge fish and chips guy. I think I've probably in my lifetime. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm surpassed 250. To be honest, I, I'm okay. a, yeah. So I've uh, yeah, I'm a huge fish and chips guy. I mean, there's there's chip shops everywhere near my house, so. Um, yeah, I think I've definitely surpassed Louis on this one. Yeah, they're yeah. delicious. I mean, I'm yeah. I'm sure I might be near past Louis, and I've only lived here for like a year and a half. Yeah, I know. it's tough. If you're in the UK, it's tough not to not to have a fish and chips. Oh, absolutely. So you've been in Texas for four years now, ish. Um, is there like a word or phrase that still gives you like a little bit of pause? Um, something like. Like Louie, it was biscuits or um, chips. 
instead of French fries or soccer instead of football or just football in general? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think one that I was actually having this discussion with Pedro the other day, we were, we were in the supermarket and I, he was saying, like, I'm going to get some chips. And I was like, you're going to get crisps or, or chips. And he was like, yeah, he picked up a bag of crisps. And I was like, they're, they're crisps. They're not chips. So that's one that, that's one that still gets to me a little bit. And it still takes me a bit of time. Like I'll be in the restaurant and ask, Hey, can I just chips or crisps come with that? And, uh, they, uh, and that that gets a little bit of confusion um but i'd say like the thing that it's not really a huge one but when all of the texans say y'all after everything they're like what's up with y'all and I, that's just that was just weird to me to get used to and i actually over the years i actually started to say it and then i have to like kind of slap myself on the wrist and be like no like you're not you're not american so <laughs> um yeah i'd say i'd say those two things are probably the biggest the biggest ones yeah, I mean, I, I think I can speak on behalf of a lot of Americans and we'll give you permission to use the word y'all okay. just because it's, it's so it's just it just rolls off the tongue so easily. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does, to be fair. So coming from the northern part of the UK, Edinburgh, um, I can't imagine that you ever had heard of TCU growing up, much less a horn frog. How did you come to find yourself at TCU and are you enjoying your time? Um, yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't heard of the Horn Frogs, um, until kind of, I started my kind of recruiting process. Um, but yeah, no, I think I ended up, I was playing some tournaments. Um, and also I knew Alistair Gray, who was a, um, who was a, a Horn Frog himself. And he kind of put me in contact with the coaches and that was kind of, um, what like a huge reason about why I came here and obviously like TCU itself has a huge history of of great tennis players and it's it's one of the best programs in college tennis so I think that was probably one of the like main reasons that I, I came here and I got recruited here and yeah I'm, I'm extremely lucky and extremely grateful that I was able to to spend uh, my college here and obviously I'm still still in college but yeah just extremely grateful I got the opportunity to to come to TCU. Yeah man well TCU is glad to have you especially because of the success that we've had the past couple of years. Yeah. Um, so when you got to TCU, you pretty much stepped into a massive role right away. Uh, just as a freshman, you were the number four singles player and you had a winning record as a freshman, which not a lot of people can say. And you were also a part of our number one doubles pairing. Did you, or did, did a record like this kind of solidify in your mind? Like, yes, I belong here. I belong to play like I can play with all these guys. Yeah, yeah, obviously kind of coming in as a freshman it's not easy. You kind of you don't really like the college format's a little bit different. It's there's a lot more energy. There's you're playing for a team. So obviously I was a little bit apprehensive coming in and I think after that first year um like once I got used to it and like I was still able to win win some matches, I think it just made my my next years a lot easier and also and like obviously gave me gave me confidence that I was playing at, at like an appropriate level um and it gave me something to kind of build off uh, for the rest of the years uh, that I was in college so I think that first year um really helped me um kind of set me up for for my other years at TCU yeah your first year was awesome and honestly your sophomore year was either even better but your junior year is where you really took off, in my opinion, at least. Uh, you took over the number one spot pretty early in the season. 
and then you led the team to the second of back-to-back indoor national titles. Was there any more pressure on you being the number one on the team rather than being the number four the year prior? Because you won the national title both years, but was it different being the leader and the number one? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it was definitely something to get used to because, like, I feel if you're playing kind of four, five, six, you kind of there's always going to be some matches that you're like, like you're you're gonna win, you know, like you, there's you're gonna. But if you're playing at the top of the lineup, like one, two, three, you're playing good players every every match, so you have to be switched on, like pretty much every match you play. And I think that was something that like um, I had to get used to. Because obviously my first kind of two three years I didn't I didn't really have that feeling kind of playing at the top of the lineup. Um, it's just a, it's a different kind of pressure. But I also think the the good part is that if you're playing at the top, like kind of one two, you um, you're not really in danger of losing your spot in the lineup. Whereas if you're playing yeah. at four five six, if you start losing, then the people at seven eight nine are going to start threatening for your spot. Um, so I think there it's a it's a different kind of pressure playing at, at the top of the lineup because it's just you're you're just playing better players, um, and obviously yeah you're if you win at one or two or three it's it's um it's great for the team but it's not it's not easy to do. Yeah, and not only were you playing the better players at the one spot, but you were also winning. You you had the best singles record on the team. You became somewhat of a giant killer, beating 16 ranked opponents last year. And is there anything that you added to your game going into last season that kind of took you to that next level? Yeah, I mean, I think um, one thing that I did over the summer, um, I made the decision to come back early in the summer instead of staying at home. And I spent kind of the whole summer with Devin, working on my game, trying to work on things. And I think that gave me a lot of confidence going into the year. And especially going into the fall where I had a I had a pretty good fall. Um, and I think just just that kind of just being able to kind of train and being able to just be in a place that I was happy at TCU just really like helped me improve my game. And once you start winning, winning some matches against some really good guys, it does it just you can kind of build off that and it gives you so much confidence. And I think um that was those were some key factors in in my year last year. Yeah. Last year was an awesome season. Like we made it to the final four. Unfortunately, like Luke got hurt, all that happened, and couldn't finish it off. Um, hopefully, hopefully this year we'll get past that hump. But now that we've gotten like your first three years out of the way, we can actually talk about this summer and fall. And man, you had an otherworldly summer. You were you became part of an elite club of TCU Wimbledon winners. You you won your first match at Wimbledon after getting a wild card entry. And what was that experience like? You played with uh, Johannes Monday from Tennessee, who you just beat. Yeah. And uh, how, how insane were those matches, man? Like you won your first round, and then you really I, I watched your second round match against the number six seed. You took them to the brink. Yeah, I mean that was just a uh, kind of. Uh a dream come true experience. I mean, as a tennis player, that's, that's your main goal, especially as a British tennis player to play, to play at Wimbledon, uh, to play in front of uh, home crowds. It was, yeah, just a, a surreal summer. Um, and yeah, yeah, extremely enjoyable experience. And kind of, I think the fact that you were able to win around and also play against a team like Ebden and Bopana is, is, is extremely rare. 
and um, something that I was I was really um, happy to be able to get the opportunity to do, and also to kind of see like obviously they're a, a great team, but also like we were we were there, like we had opportunities to to do like we were break up in the first set, and I think that just gives a lot of confidence um, kind of going forward that like you I spent years watching these guys on TV and thinking that they were some like in they were invincible, but like you like players like like us like in college can compete with those guys and i think that was that was a really good reminder uh and yeah just super grateful i got the opportunity yeah it was, it was really cool to watch you and it's it's always fun to watch cam and alistair when when yeah. they're on tv as well just yeah. as tcu people they're always repping frogs yeah. um and wimbledon was not the only success you had though over the past couple months your rankings shot up in really both singles and doubles. Like last time we talked, you just finished your M25 egg yeah. Baston, um, and you won that one. And you said that your singles rankings were about 800 mm-hmm. or somewhere around 800 for singles and about 260 for doubles. And now over the past few months, you've shot up 300 spots. You're almost, you're knocking on 500 for singles here, 514 yeah. right now. And you're at 249 for doubles. You've captured two ATP Tour titles um, in Birmingham and Luxembourg, and not to mention another final in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, do you think taking the fall semester off from school really helped uh, helped and advanced your game at all? Was playing the pros rather than playing in the fall tournaments? Did you see any real advancement in your game other than the ratings bumps? Yeah, I think um... – after coming out after the summer, I, I was having a, some few injuries, um, um, but then because I really wanted to start playing some some pro tournaments, some futures, and uh, kind of the the weekend edge basin kind of took me a bit by surprise. I wasn't really expecting to do anything there, just because that was my first tournament back in like three months almost. Um, so, and I think like having that week kind of again gives a lot of confidence. Um, especially because considering that I wasn't expecting anything going into it. And I think the fact that I was able to, because if if I was playing, if I was at school in the fall, I wouldn't have been able to play that tournament. So, or really any other of those pro tournaments. So I think the fact that I was taking the fall off was really helpful for that. And uh, yeah, I was able to kind of build off that and do have some other good results. And um, yeah, just kind of, I think, because obviously after I'm, after I'm done with college this year, I want to play pro. I want to go and play these tournaments. So I think it was a good kind of, it was good for me to kind of get out there and play some pro tournaments so that I kind of know what it's like. Um, and I think that was kind of why taking the fall off was good. And I was able to play some tournaments um, so that I can really see um, what it's like out there on the tour and um, what it's going to be like for me after college. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome success, and we're glad to have you back this this semester, obviously. But did you? What did you blow the money on? Because I know I know you can't you can't save it. Yeah. So is there anything anything in particular? Did you stay at just five star hotels, or? Um. Yeah. So yeah. Obviously, that was that was a bit of a stressor for me, just finding ways to kind of expense my money in the the means I was allowed to. Um, yeah, there was the occasional night where I was like, I could stay at a cheaper hotel, but I was like, it's fine. I'll go and stay at a more expensive hotel. Um, but no, it was it was just kind of um, 
playing tournaments is the best way to expense my money um, because tournaments are expensive. Yeah. Um, and that was kind of that was kind of how I did it. Just making sure I got a lot of racket stringing done, um, like staying at hotels and obviously going going deep in tournaments means that you're staying more nights there. You're paying for more strings, paying for more food. So that that also also helped. Yeah. So is there anything that playing in these tournaments uh, that you kind of identified as something that you need to improve upon in your game specifically before the season this year and going off pro next year? Yeah, I think one thing that if you just kind of look at my results, the one thing that's kind of affecting me is is kind of little injuries, little niggles. Um, so I think that's one thing that I'm really working on, just kind of maybe changing some things technically to try and take some pressure off certain injuries. Like my ab was always been an issue for me. And I think um, as soon as I got back to TCU, I started to I changed my serve a little bit to try and take some pressure off my ab. So I think like little changes like that. And I think kind of because I'm, I'm 22 turning 23 in like five months, it's there's only so much you can you can change at this stage. Um, so it's, it's just small, small changes, but they're like small changes make a big difference. And I think, um, yeah, just trying to change things in my game that will make things easier for my body so that I can like after I've had a good week, I can then have another good week and not risk like retirements because those those have been. I've had yeah. a good, really good week, and then I've had to kind of retire or withdraw the next week. Um, and obviously, if you look at all the most successful players, that's that's just not what happens. They they're going like winning tournaments, then winning another tournament, you know, or going deep in the next tournament. So I think that's that's something that I'm going to keep working towards and keep trying to look to uh, improve on. Yeah. Yeah, well, you've had a successful week, I think, this past weekend. Like, obviously, Stanford didn't go – exactly how we wanted but then you beat uh johannes again your doubles partner from wimbledon and i think you beat him in another tournament as well over the summer and so really and i know you beat him last year too so i think you were definitely the winner in that rivalry yeah yeah so far i am yeah but i think we'll we'll definitely end up playing each other more in the future and it's it's always fun playing him and he's a great player and we always have good matches so yeah, what's it like playing a guy that you're just you're kind of close with? Because I, I imagine it's it's the same way with top players all over the country. You know each other. What's it like kind of putting the friendship aside and just kind of going to battle on the court? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not easy. And uh, we obviously know each other very well. Um, but it's kind of, you know, like when you have your home crowd there, you have the crowd there, you have like your teammates like screaming at you. It's like, it's super easy to forget that you know him like very well. Yeah. So um, especially in the college atmosphere, like yesterday, I didn't even think about it once during the match. I was just wanting to win for the team. Um, and when I was um, playing that match, yeah, that was kind of really all I was thinking about. And um, yeah, I just really, really wanted to beat him for myself, but more for the team. Um, and obviously I wanted to kind of rectify what what happened on uh, Friday. Like the guy I played is a very, very good player. And um, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he beat me and I just wanted to to uh, come back strong on, on Sunday. And luckily I did that. Yeah. Well, last question so you can get out of here and get your training on. But uh, expectations for this team are, are obviously national titles, both indoor and outdoor. Mm-hmm. Uh You've been a part of these teams before. Is there anything that you're seeing in this team 
uh, in your short time back that could push you over the hump where uh, the past couple of years haven't been able to get there? I mean, I think I think one thing that we that we have this year is is like we have we're learning from the past few years. And I think getting to we're getting closer and closer each year. Like we got elite eight the my three two years ago, and then we got the final four last year. So we're kind of we're learning from our mistakes, and I think like making mistakes, the best thing you can do is learn from them. And I learn from them, and I think that's something that we're uh, we're trying to do anyway. And I think. Like yesterday was a great example of like how much as a team that we fight, losing the doubles point and then winning four four singles matches against a team like Tennessee is really not easy to do. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think just that's that's one thing, and I think we all we get behind each other, and um, we all know that we have a, a very good team, a very deep team, and I think uh, we're all very optimistic about what we can do this year, and. Um, it's, it's going to be a team effort. Even the guys that don't play, they're always supporting. They're, they're just wanting us to do well. And I think that's a testament to, way, to the way that our coaches run, run the program. Um, like everyone has a role. That's all we say. Even if you're not playing, you're, you have as big as a role as the people out on the court. Um, and we all accept that. And we all, we all do that to the best of our ability. And I think that's something that's hopefully going to get us across to win some championships this year. All right, man. I hope I hope you're correct. We'd love to get a national title. Yeah, I want to get the outdoor one this year. We've we've oh, and the yeah. um, but the outdoor is the big one. Yeah, it's been stressful for us on the board because the only way we have to follow the match really is live stats. Yeah, and it's always a bit slow as well. I heard my my yeah. parents told me that it's a little bit behind, so they 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 weren't really sure what was going on at some points, but. Yeah, and so yesterday, and really on Friday too, at the Stanford match, I was just staring at my computer screen with a bunch of numbers on yeah. it, trying to make sense of what's happening. Yeah. So we're looking forward to you kind of heading up to Michigan and then heading to New York, so we can actually watch the matches. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, I hope, I hope, um, in the years to come, we can get some a better facility or a facility with cameras, so that we, uh, the fans that can't be there can watch. I think that would be. That would be beneficial. Yeah, I know they're working on it. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I mean, coach, coach is aware, so that's the main thing. Yeah. Anyways, thank you so yeah. much. Well, for thank you, today, And good luck the rest of the season. Thank you very much. Take care. Thank you very much, Jake, for coming on the show. I'm going to give a bigger thanks after I have my comments, but just quick, thank you very much, Jake. That was awesome. That was an awesome interview. Uh. I had a couple thoughts since I wasn't able to comment during the interview. The first, I deeply respect Jake for not being a huge fan of Harry Potter. I think Harry Potter is very overrated. I think it's good, not great. I respect his take, and I respect it all the more that his reasoning is that it's his rival high school. That's fantastic. That's hilarious. Jordan Travis went to my rival high school. So I had to deal with that while he was at Florida State. I get it, Jake. Love him for that. Two, I have a question for you as a British man. Um, are fish and chips just any fish with fries? So no fish. Like, well, theoretically, yes. But uh, traditionally, it's cod. Okay. Um, there are other types of fish as well. But... Uh, yeah, traditionally it's cod. Cod was huge, um, especially when the English kind of uh, expanded their empire in 
into the new world and when looking for the Northwest Passage around green, in between Greenland and Iceland, they'd kind of found a new source of food because they'd overfished around the islands. And so they were running out of fish. And then when they kind of expanded that way, they found a whole new source of food and that all happened to be cod. And so okay. cod became pretty big in England. Because I was thinking about that during the interview when you asked him if he beat Louis's number and he said, oh, 100% yes. And I, I gave it some thought and I was like, if it's any fish with fries, as a Floridian, I think I've beaten Louis's number since we hired Sonny Dykes. Like not in my life, just like in recent memory. Louis's number is ridiculously small. I liked, I liked hearing someone somewhat reasonable with a number higher than 100. <laughs> Yeah, um, well, it also, it's got to be fried, which okay, is the other yes, thing. that's fair. So, got to be fried. And when you think chips, it's not fries. It's chips. And they're basically like our steak fries. It's really thick, not necessarily crispy. Because um, they, they call our fries fries, and they call their fries chips. So, it's and kind of confusing. Yeah. All right. And with fish and chips, normally it's they also put like vinegar on the chips and salt. So with all of that weird British lingo in mind, my other note I have from the interview as I was watching, I just wrote y'all dot dot dot. We won because the British people all picking up saying y'all. I saw as completely victorious. I want all this crisps nonsense thrown away. Y'all is a big win. I'm comfortable with that. I liked you giving him permission to use it because he should continue to. We're getting rid of all these nonsense words and putting in normal words like y'all. Lastly, I have a real note that isn't just about British people and their food. And it's that both Louis and Jake, and I didn't see the Pedro interview yet, but both of them said that their main reason for coming to TCU from all the way across the across the ocean was that TCU is one of the, and I quote, greatest programs in the history of college tennis. And I think we know that rationally when we see the awards that get posted on Twitter. I think our fans need to hype up our TCU tennis team. I know there are burners who listen, and I want all of you hyping up TCU tennis because we really are a Mac Daddy tennis team. And I'm so grateful to these guys who keep coming on our show. Because the truth of the matter is if it were a sport that received more hype than tennis, honestly, athletes of the caliber they are shouldn't bother to speak to us. We are so lucky they're kind enough to come join the show. Because we really are one of the greatest programs in the history of college tennis. And I don't think most TCU tennis or TCU fans realize i think they know we have a good tennis team but i don't think they realize the weight that tcu tennis carries with people who watch tennis yeah all that being said on our on our tennis note jacob i think you've got a little of the tcu michigan tennis game coming up that you can tell our fans so that they can start hyping up the team yeah so we play michigan on tuesday at five o'clock um five o'clock central and it's at Michigan. It's our first away match this year, really. And Michigan is, they're a good team. Uh, just to put it lightly, they're ranked in the top 15. And they will be at the indoor championships 
next weekend in New York. So this will be our third match in a row where we're playing a top 15 opponent who's going to be at the championships. Um, um, so you you may have said this, and I, I may have missed it. I know you said they're going to be at the indoor championships. Are we playing them indoor or outdoor? So the indoor championships are all played indoor. Yeah, but are we playing Michigan next week or this this week? Are we playing Michigan indoor or outdoor? Oh, indoor. Yeah. Indoor. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, like, Michigan this time of year is probably horrifying. So I wanted to clarify that it was indoor because <laughs> they yeah, would kick no. our teeth in outdoor just because I assume they are used to the elements that we are not. Not not at this point. At this point, everybody's playing indoor matches, and then okay. the indoor okay. season ends next weekend, and that we'll have like a week off, and then the outdoor season will start. Okay, that makes sense. Forgive me for my lack of tennis knowledge. I wanted to clarify. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, but yeah, so it, it's going to be a tough match. Michigan's a good team. They are six and two right now. Um, they have losses at Tennessee and at Harvard. So we have that Tennessee match in common. They lost 3-4. We beat Tennessee 4-3. And then Michigan's also beaten Stanford. And so that's another common opponent. And we beat Stanford 5-2. It wasn't really a close match. Um, I think we should win at Michigan. Just frankly, off the bat, we sh we should win. But you never know with tennis. They got a good team. Their number one player, Gavin Young, he's only three and three on the year. Um, but he's a top 20 ranked player. For the first couple weeks of the season, he was a top 10 ranked player. Like the guy's good. He just also is playing very good players at that number one spot. Luckily, we have Jake who himself is a very good player, criminally underrated at like 64 in the country and in these recent um, recent rankings. Their number two, Jake Bickersteth, he was on the team last year as well when we played Michigan. Um, he's another good player, ranked in the top, I think, 30 in the country. They have one other guy, um, Nino Ehrenscheider, or Aaron Schneider, he's played number three, and then Bjorn Swenson. Both of them have played three. Aaron Schneider played in their most recent match against Notre Dame. I believe he played the, the third position. Sorry, no. It was Patorn Hanchikel. I butchered that. But uh, he's the number 125th ranked player in the country. Um, just moved up into that three spot. I think it's going to be one of one of Swenson and Hanchikel. I'm just going to call him Patorn. Um, who play that three spot, and then the other will play the four, and then you'll have Will Cooksey. And Nicholas Stieglener, Stieglener um, at the five and six, respectively. Both of them are good players. Michigan's just kind of a deep team. They don't have, they have 
Gavin Young, who is an incredible player. And then after that, they, they got a bunch of just good, solid tennis players, and they can overwhelm most teams in the country with that depth. Luckily, we have six really solid players. So I think we take it. Our doubles lineup struggled against Tennessee. I think they'll be back against Michigan. Michigan's doubles team is not terribly good. Um, overall, I think it'll be a win. It will be streamed. Uh, so this will be the first match that I will have watched this year. And there'll be, yeah, there'll be live live scoring and streaming. Um, I know I'll post it on the 247 Sports Board, um, the link, but we can also probably hit that on Twitter. And the TCU Tennis account posts it on Twitter as well. So I, I think it'll be a win, probably four to one or four to two. And on that played. note of Twitter, follow us, TCU's Three Wise Men, on Twitter. Because we will, like you said, we'll try and get that link out. At the very least, I'm sure we'll retweet the tennis one. So if you want to, if you want to get that link, follow us on Twitter, TCU's Three Wise Men. Absolutely. Um, with us probably getting that win, um, I I have to say we're transitioning into another topic. And Barrett was supposed to be here, but he put in about equal effort that TCU basketball did this weekend on being in our podcast. So with him being lazy at home, just like our team was, let's talk about what happened in the TCU basketball team, basketball game. I mean, in Barrett's defense, he was in New Orleans. Unforgivable. Yeah, I can't believe, can't believe the guy would ever go to New Orleans for Mardi Gras. Our podcast Gras. is no clearly sense. a priority. <laughs> but I say having missed was... an episode like three weeks ago for something way less important than Mardi Gras. <laughs> All right, so anyway, this game. Yeah, yeah, this game was rough. Um, I was in Bristol for a bachelor party. I caught as much of it as I could live, which was basically the first half or up until like five minutes left in the game or left in the first half. And it was it was a struggle. We couldn't hit anything. I think our offense just shrinks when people play them tight. Somebody on the board made a comment, and it was a good comment. Uh, I don't remember who it was, but he said, um, "When we are a physical team, but when another team gets physical back with us, we shy away and we become much less physical. And I think that pretty much describes the team perfectly. We, we don't respond well when somebody else comes at us. We're perfectly fine with starting to go at them when they respond we shy away. And I think that that was pretty clearly seen in this game where we scored like our lowest point total of the year. And we shot terribly, shot from the free throw line terribly. Like we were, we were 50%, eight for 16 at the free throw line. That's just not good enough. It, it really isn't. Our guard play is kind of terrible this year. We, we don't have anybody we can rely on to hit that final shot. And I know you and I talked about this at the beginning of the year. We needed to find that guy at the end of the shot clock who's going to make a play. Right now, we don't have that guy. Yeah, and when we talked about it, it was earlier in the season, and we kind of hit on guys that could break out and do it, and we said it with optimism. The problem is we're deep enough in now that it we we have to have that guy figured out. Like, it's no longer something that we can push off to – 
this will be a problem when Big 12 play starts. We're we're halfway through Big 12 play. We're more than yeah. halfway through Big 12 play. Like we we need to have figured that out already. We need to have a guy who can be counted on to do that. Well, and I know yes. I mentioned this to you before we recorded. I also did not see much of the game. I was being aggressively Catholic in Orlando. And when I was uh I was just trying to keep track on my phone as much as I could. And I unfortunately wasn't able to keep track all that much, but I got a buzz towards the end of the game saying like, can TCU pull off the comeback? And I immediately thought, no, because we are losing by a lot. But I opened, like I swiped on it and we actually weren't losing by too much. I don't know what the score was at the time, but we we had shrunk the get deficit to like six or seven. And I was like, that's a really doable gap. Like we could actually pull that off. And then I put my phone away for a minute. I unfortunately don't know what happened. But then when I looked up, we were losing by like 12 again. I was like, okay, there it is. We just, we, we were starting to be manageable and we immediately let it get away. And to be fair, Iowa State is a good team from what I know. I mean, like it's, it's I not. Mean, they're they're yeah. top 15. So That's yeah. What I'm like I haven't watched, but they, they're ranked high. And we said it on our last episode, playing in that stadium is very difficult. Yeah. So I, I as as harsh as I was on our guys when I introduced it, saying that we didn't show up, I, I do get why we performed this way. It's a very difficult environment they were playing in. They were going up against a very difficult team. But all the same, like you said, we can't shy away just because they get physical. And the truth of the matter is the environment is a somewhat legitimate excuse. They're a strong, they're a brutal environment, but I mean, you think about it, like we lost to Kansas and that's a crazy environment, but we lost on a bad call. Like we barely lost to Kansas. Whereas this, at no point did I feel like we were going to be okay. Like we yeah. just weren't there. And we had a full week off to prepare, which is the other mm-hmm. thing. Like when we knew what we were getting into. Yeah. I, I watched, I, I did try and watch the second half on like ESPN's on demand today. Um to prepare for this podcast and I got about three minutes in and I was just like, I, I'm not going to subject myself to this torture. Like yeah. we turned the ball over four straight times or something like that to begin the second half. We played poor defense and allowed three point shots to be made. And at that point I was just like, all right, I already know what happens at the end of the game. We lose by 12. I'm not going to, I just can't, I can't watch this. Um, But one thing I had, I've noticed this in the past couple games. We don't have that guy who's going to get angry. Like when things aren't going our way, nobody on the team is holding anybody else accountable. They're all kind of like, they're, they're, they look calm and collected on the court and nobody is getting in in somebody else's face for making a bad pass or, or playing poorly on defense. Nobody's holding each other accountable. There's no emotion on the court and there's not really much emotion when it's going well for us. And there are benefits to that as well. You don't get too high. You you don't get too low, but I want to see some emotion. I want to see that this team cares. Right now, it looks like they don't care. There, there's definitely a happy medium where you do. There are benefits to having too much emo- or to having too too little emotion. There are benefits to having too much. There are flaws to having too too much and flaws to having too too little. 
But if I have to pick air on one side, I'd rather the guys have too much emotion than too little. Like, it's just that. And that, I mean, honestly, how many times did we have the same problem with our football season where I was just watching and it just felt like our guys didn't care. And that's where it just started feeling brutal. Yeah. And to be fair, I think our basketball team cares more than our football team did. I don't think we're getting the same, like laughing on the sidelines like we did at K-State where it was just like, I I think our basketball team cares more, but we need to tap into it and we need to feed that care and make it be more on the forefront because like, if you're not feeling that, that's going to, that's, that's going to make or break the team. They're never going to make the comeback in Iowa state at that stadium. If they're not wholeheartedly committed to it. Yeah. It looks to me though, that we just don't have a leader on the court. Like Jamie Dixon's shouting the entire game from the sidelines, but there's only so much that a coach can do. You have to have buy-in from one or two of the players. And that player has to be a coach on the court. Hey, you weren't in the right spot. You needed to move here on that play. I haven't seen that. Yeah. When I will say as the, as the three-year letterman of youth lacrosse, uh, I am a middle school lacrosse coach, and I don't know how to coach lacrosse because I've never played lacrosse. <laughs> and what I've relied on entirely is older kids who have played lacrosse to be willing to do exactly that and say, okay, you need to be that, like, show the others how it's done. And if an eighth grader can figure that out, so can a college basketball player. Like, and yeah. I get that our whole fame is that we are team by committee. But it's the old expression, a a camel is a horse designed by committee. It's at some point, we we should be a good all-around team, and I don't ask for us to lose that. But someone on the team, regardless of being the best member on the team, even if they aren't the most talented, someone needs to show that leadership and make us more than just team by committee. Make us have the talent of a team by committee, but the organization of a team with a real leader. Yeah, yeah. I'm completely with you there. It's just embarrassing when a bad pass is made and thrown to nobody out of bounds. And the guy who throws it just hangs his head, turns around and walks down the court. Like talk to each other. We, We need, we need a leader on the team. We need somebody to step up into that position at this point. I thought it was going to be E-man and I think he is a good locker room presence. He doesn't show much emotion on the court though. He just doesn't. We need somebody on the court who's going to hold people accountable. And hopefully we'll see that against West Virginia on Monday night. Yeah, well, and the good news about that, and I guess with that, we'll veer into looking forward to West Virginia. As I say, the good news about it is West Virginia is not, I mean, they've beaten good teams, but they are not an excellent team by any means. So we should have a second to catch our breath and actually get a comfortable win after this loss. Yeah, West Virginia is not a great team by any means. Um, Their average three-point percentage is much lower than basically every other team in the Big 12. They're not a great free-throw shooting team. They're not a good shooting team. They turn the ball over a lot. They only average four steals a game. We should win on Monday, and we should win handedly. think Texas just beat West Virginia by like 20, 25 points we should have the same outcome against West Virginia. We don't match up well against Iowa State. They take care of the ball, and they play hard defense. 
we do match up somewhat well to West Virginia. They're not guard heavy. Um, they rely on an actual center, which with Uday's like emergence over the past couple weeks should benefit us. But the three guys we really need to watch out for on West Virginia are Raekwon Battle. He's a guard. He averages just over 15 points per game. He doesn't pass the ball, really. He's a he's their best defender. Um, and he can't shoot threes. He's below 30% three-point shooter. And he, he does shoot a decent free throw, but ultimately this guy's a volume scorer. He takes a lot of shots, and it means he scores a lot of points. The other, the next guy we need to look out for is Jesse Edwards. He's a center. He averages 15 points a game, and he eight and a half rebounds, 1.7 blocks per game. So he's a strong force on the inside. He's not a three-point shooter at all. So Uday should be able to clog up the paint a little bit against this team and prevent some driving. We, we just need to cause havoc on defense, and it's something we haven't seen recently. I want to see it in this West Virginia game. We need to, we need to get it back on track, really. We just yeah. need to get back on track. Last person, everybody knows him. I'm sure the TCU fans are itching to have him in our arena. It's Kirk Krissa. Um, He's not in the top three scores, but – I know that with the history between the two, between TCU and Kirk Rissa, he's going to want to win this game more than anybody else on the court for West Virginia. He's their best three-point shooter that actually plays. He's a decent free-throw shooter. He, he, he does average like three turnovers a game, so we should be able to, to kind of force, force some turnovers off of him, maybe get some runouts, and Lord knows he's not – TCU is prone to turning Chris Kirkris over. So we should we should be able to to get him and, and hold him in check, but he's a guy that we're gonna have to watch out for. I I I saw all of the hate that TCU fans got for their treatment of Pop Isaacs. And granted, he gave the TCU fans a lot more to work with in terms of rude trash talk. I want that to be barely the starting ground for how we treat Kirkrissa. I want Kirkrissa in tears by the end of the game and West Virginia fans to consider us the worst fan base in college basketball. That's the that's the bare minimum of what I want for our treatment of Kirkrissa. I don't actually know much about his skill other than the fact that I will never stop hating him for that one game. I want all of the vengeance we could possibly get. And I want it from the TCU fans watching that game. Oh, yeah. And the the benefit we have is we also have players still on the team who played in that game. Yes, they will hate him more than we do. Exactly. So this we, is their, their opportunity we, to get payback. My, my stance on this is that under... No circumstances should we try to hurt a player on an opposing team. But if it happens, such is life. <laughs> Hopefully it's just to like a twisted angle, yeah, so just, just so he's out just for our game. To send a message. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, with that we, mind, we should win we, this game, though. Yeah, we, sh we should pretty comfortably take West Virginia. 
How about Kansas State? How should we feel about that game? Kansas State is a weird team. They started off Big 12 really hot. They were first in the league after like five or six games. Recently, they've lost their last or they've lost like five of their last six games. Their only win coming against Kansas in overtime. They have a full week to prepare for us, though. I think it, it'll be a tough game. We we always have tough battles against Kansas State. It's never a blowout either way. They've always had our number. I know when I was in when I when I went to TCU, they ended our they ended our Big Twelve season in like four. Uh, I would say a few five, times seasons in a row. row. Yeah. Well, for those who remember, I I was already out of TCU. The very last basketball game before they canceled college basketball because of COVID was Kansas State beating us. Yeah. That was the end of basketball season in entirety. Yeah. Yeah. So we've, we, and on top of it, with the way football has gone the last couple of years, our fans tend to go at each other pretty hard. Kansas State will be interesting. We play at Kansas State, right? Yeah. Well, I'm thinking I'm giving up social media for Lent, so I'm thanking the good Lord above that I won't see Kansas State burners on Saturday. But all the same, that's going to be an interesting game, and I'm looking forward to seeing how it comes out. Yeah, they got a couple players like Cam Carter. He's a guard, averages 16 points a game, uh, five rebounds, three assists, almost two steals. He's just over 30% three-point shooter, so he's not a great three-point shooting team. As a team, Kansas State's not a good three-point shooting team, which should play into our hands because our three-point defense recently has been pretty poor. We just overhelp way too much, which is the whole other issue. But Cam Carter's going to be a guy who we need to look out for. Tyler Perry is another guard, averages 15 points a game, almost five assists, just over one steal. He's, again, not a great three-point shooter, but he's a sniper from the line. And the last guy is Arthur Kaluma. He averages 14.5 points a game. He's a forward, seven rebounds a game, two assists, uh, half a block. He's he's their best three-point shooter on the team. He shoots 36 37%. So not a great three-point shooter for your best three-point shooter on the team. Um, like on paper, we match up pretty well because of our size. However, our guards have been exposed in the past th- two, three games. They've played like crap. I think it'll matter which version of our guards show up. Who's going who's gonna to step up at the guard position? Because, listen, Trey's a great player. He's not a one. He's not a primary ball handler. We need one of Avery Anderson or Jameer Nelson Jr. to go off every game. We need one of them to, if not both. And the past two games, neither has been a factor in any phase of the game. They've been shooting poor threes. It's just been been bad basketball from them. We need them to play smart and play well for us to have a chance because – Emmanuel Miller and and Micah Peavy aren't aggressive enough to be that guy on offense. Yeah, that's about right. Well, hopefully we, even though we match up 
well on paper but have those flaws, we lean more on the – we see more of a reality that our matchup on paper lives lives up to its expectation and we do a good job against them. Like you said, yeah. we should be coming off a win of West, from West Virginia. Hopefully that's gotten our guys back into some comfort. Um, Kansas State, I'm sure, is a great, difficult place to play, but it's nothing like Iowa State's environment. Yeah, and hopefully our guys can show up better than they did against Iowa State, and we can just we can bring that one home. It's going to be very telling these next three games. Really, the next four games, we have West Virginia at home, Kansas State away, Texas Tech away, Cincinnati at home. Really, we need to win two out of the next three. We really need to beat West Virginia, and then we need to pull out one of Kansas State or Texas Tech. And then we need to beat Cincinnati at home. So really, we need to win three out of the next four. And if we do that, I think we're, we've pretty much cemented ourselves into the NCAA tournament. If we go two and four, it's or two for four, it's going to be iffy. If we go one for four, I think we're in trouble. And then after these next four, we have Baylor at home, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be something. There's a lot yeah. to be seen in the next few weeks. Yeah, we really the rest of the season, we if we win at home and lose all of the other ones, then we're four and four. We end Big 12 play nine and nine. That should get us in the in the NCAA tournament. If we can steal one away game and we play Kansas State, Texas Tech, BYU, and West Virginia away, if we can steal one of those, then I, th- I think we have a great shot of being a seven seed. If we can steal two of them and win at home, our home schedule is winnable from here on out. West Virginia, bad team. Cincinnati, we should beat them. Baylor, Baylor's going to be tough, especially because Baylor's going to be a, a game. They're, and they're going to be really mad that we beat them there. Yeah. And we didn't just beat uh, them. We beat them in the longest game of all time. Like, Yeah, right. They're going to come angry. Yeah, but again, it's at home. It's a rivalry game. Our guys are going to be just as pumped. Yes. So that could be winnable. UCF at home. UCF has given some teams trouble, but I think we can do it. Like, it's a winnable game. I have many friends at UCF to allow a – and one in particular – I cannot allow us to lose to UCF. Yeah, I, I just think our home schedule is winnable. We should win. We should win out these last four games. And if we can steal West Virginia on the road or Kansas State on the road, then we should be in a great spot. I just haven't seen it from our guys these past two games. All right. Well, with that, we will see how that goes. I have faith in our frogs. Like you said, it's a very winnable home schedule. And they've got talent there, so they can make it happen. We'll see how it goes, though. We will see most soon this West Virginia and K-State game. Otherwise, tune in next week to hear more from your three favorite geniuses, all of our not-so-genius takes on all things TCU sports and some other interesting things. And for those who may say what other interesting things, I would say that we learned all about fish and chips this episode, and you're all welcome. So with that, thank you very much and go Frogs.